0: Faith. Nothing personal word of the day. It's Friday. Just another manic Friday, May 14th, 2021. The word of the day is faith. You got to have faith because I wish it would be nice. Who's got faith? Who needs faith? You know, faith is a legal word. You have to do things in good faith. It's in a lot of different contracts. You have to act in good faith. You have to act reasonably with plenty of faith. Do you remember last year when MLB and the union were fighting, they were fighting about the number of games to be played after the COVID break. And the commissioner said, how about 60? And the league said, how about a hundo? That's what the players said. And Rob Manfred said, I'm gonna act in good faith and I'm gonna decide the number of games, but I really wish we could agree on a number of games, but they couldn't agree on a number of games. And so the commissioner then said, all right, I'm gonna implement a 60 game schedule. And then way back then it was July 16th, 2020, right here on nothing personal. We had a wait to see. And the wait to see is when I say something's going to happen. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, but we're going to revisit it. The wait to see on July 16th, 2020 is that the MLB Players Association is going to file a grievance against Major League Baseball, saying they didn't act in good faith and they could have played more games. Well, yesterday, word leaked out that, in fact, that wait to see happened. The Major League Baseball Players Association filed a grievance against Major League Baseball, alleging that it did not, in good faith, it did not use good faith. They did not have any faith they didn't care about the players they only cared about money shocking no way they were in violation of the agreement so they're seeking 500 million dollars that seems like a lot of money right let me explain what that is and let me explain you what's happening part of that wait to see on july 16th is that a grievance would be filed check Part of that, wait to see, is that the grievance will never go to hearing. I can't give myself that one yet, but mark my words, we're going to win. When the Players Union files a grievance against the owners, the first step is they get a letter, which is the body of the grievance. It states, dear Rob Manford, we are officially filing a grievance as per the collective bargaining agreement. Section Gimel, Clause 49, Line 62. And the grievance states that you violated the following 10 things. We want $500 million. Why $500 million? We don't have to tell you. Well, I'm going to tell you. Do you remember back when they were talking about how much the players were going to get paid? And there was a calculation done, which both sides agreed to. That for every game, there was approximately $25 million of comp that goes to the players for every game. So for $500 million, what the players are saying is you could have played 80 games instead of 60. You knew you were only paying us the pro rata share. Remember the big arguments last year? We don't want to pay you your pro rata salary. We want to pay you less than your pro rata salary. The players said, you're giving us a pay cut. And the owners said, we're not giving you a pay cut. If you make $162 a year and you play 60 games, you get $60. It's a dollar a game. That's not a pay cut. We'd like you to take a pay cut, which means we'd like you to play 60 games, but only get paid $50. That's under a dollar a game. That's a pay cut. And I got into all these arguments with all these people and lawyers and fans explaining and people in the media trying to explain to them what pro rata is versus what a pay cut is just because you have fewer dollars in your pocket does not mean you got a pay cut you may have done less work and that's why you have fewer dollars and that's what happened in baseball last year you only play 60 games you only get paid sixty one, sixty two 62 of your salary so if it's 25 million dollars a day 500 million dollars quick math tells me hold on i gotta just get to my last toe six, eight, 20, 20 games. Okay, so MLB gets the grievance. Do you think they panic? Do you think they call an immediate owner's meeting? No. Dan Hallam walks into Rob Manford's office and says, all right, we're going to file a counterclaim right now. So MLB filed a counterclaim against the players. All that means is nothing. Practically speaking, here's what's going to happen. Under the collective bargain agreement, when a grievance is filed, there are three people, a panel of three professional arbitrators who hear the grievance. It's like a lawsuit. It's like in court. There are witnesses. There's testimony. You're under oath. You have to show discovery. You have to show emails back and forth. If there's an email that says, dear owners, this is Rob Manford. We could definitely play 80 games but we're only going to play 60 to really screw the players. Love, Uncle Rob. If there's an email like that, that's not so good, but there isn't. Rob's way too smart for that. That was just a conversation. So you go to arbitration. There's three men or women or people sitting in the front of the room. How do they get there? The rules are as follows. Major League Baseball gets to assign one person to sit on that three-person panel. I bet you that person is going to always vote in favor of Major League Baseball because that's how he, she, or they got their job. The union gets to sit one person on the three-person panel. I bet that person is going to vote with the union because that's who pays them. Uh Uh-oh that means this score is tied one to one. It's three person panel. It's like their vote doesn't even matter. Thank God we have a third person, a tiebreaker, because the score of an arbitration of a grievance that goes all the way is never three zero. It's always two to one. OK, so MLB's person votes for MLB. The union's person votes for the union that leaves a third person. Where does that person come from? From the fans. The fans get to elect a person. No, I'm just kidding. The third person has to be agreed upon by both the commissioner's office and the players. So there's a list of people. And then you choose MLB chooses someone. The union says, no, I don't like that person. How about this person? MLB says, I don't like that person. How about this person? The union says, I don't like that person. How about that person? Each side can object a certain number of times, and eventually they agree together on a person. That person has been neutral. That person has voted on both the union side and the management side over the course of his career. These are professional arbitrators, by the way, part of the American Arbitration Association, AAA. And I don't mean they'll fix your car. So a third person gets brought to the table. In this case, his name is Martin Scheinman. And Martin Scheinman is no schlepper, folks. He's done about $10 billion worth of arbitrations. He is on the board, I think, of Cornell. He is a smart person. And he will hear a grievance that goes to hearing. And his vote will be the only vote that matters. But guess what? Martin Scheinman would like this to go to hearing because arbitrators bill by the hour and it would be a long, long hearing. So baseball said that they want this hearing to happen right now. The union said, we want this hearing to happen right now. Guess what? Neither one of them wants the hearing to happen right now. They're all saying they want it to happen right now because they want to show the other side strength, not weakness. But the reality is that the grievance was filed by the players and counterclaim by the owners for the sole purpose of having leverage during collective bargaining. Collective bargaining is when you have to come up with another agreement between players and management. The current agreement with MLB and its players ends on December 1st. There is going to be a lot of back and forth discussions about service time manipulation, There's going to be a lot of discussion about money, about contract length, about revenue sharing, about player comfort, COVID protocols, fines, all sorts of issues, pension benefits. So many issues come up in bargaining. When you've got grievances that are outstanding during a collective bargaining negotiation, You use those grievances as a way to settle other issues. So if the players really want to take care of service time manipulation, they will say, give me something on manipulation and we'll drop our $500 million grievance. Look, you just made $500 million by agreeing to help us on the service time manipulation and we drop the grievance. But then the owners say, wait a minute. We didn't just gain 500 million dollars. You were never going to win this grievance. We're not giving you what you want on service time manipulation unless you give us what we want on pension benefits. Why pension benefits? Because back behind the scenes at a place where no one's looking where these people are not let out of from behind their desks. They're doing calculations they're giving it to the commissioner. And they're saying, if we get the following benefit for pension, meaning we don't have to have as big a pension for the players, that is a savings of $322 million. If arbitration does not happen for 10 extra days for each player, that's another $110 million. If we don't have to stay at Ritz Carlton's. That is another savings of $12 million. Look, you add it up. And then you say to the commissioner, the following four things we're arguing about, here's what each of them is worth. And before you give in on any of those, you are doing the math because it is all a zero sum game. You want to come out ahead in collective bargaining. So when the union says, we will drop the grievance. Congratulations, you're up five hundo. MLB says, forget you. You're not going to win that. You don't get credit for $500 million for dropping the grievance. The way they calculate the benefit of having no grievance is they do a calculation based on the expected outcome of that hearing, how Martin Scheinman will rule, the time that it takes and the expense that it takes to go through the hearing. So let's say baseball has to spend $50 million to defend this hearing. And let's say that Martin Scheinman says it wasn't 20 days that baseball could have played, it was 10 days. So that's $250 million that the players would get. It costs $50 million for Martin Scheinman to make that ruling. So baseball's out $300 million. So in their mind, they will give up something in bargaining that is worth $300 million. Is there any chance that you followed that, Coca? I think you did. It's called expected value. How much is at risk? What is the likelihood that I will prevail? I'll tell you right now what Rob Manford's saying during this time of COVID. He's saying we're going to win that grievance. There's no way that we can look back in time to last July when the season started. I think it started on July 31st, Coca. maybe that was basketball and baseball started July 23rd. I can't remember. And there's no way that they'll say baseball could have started 20 days earlier. Baseball will be able to show exhibits saying, look, look at all the injuries that took place because we restarted so quickly. Look at the outbreaks that took place with the Marlins, the Cardinals, because we started so quickly. And all the union will be able to show, the only thing they'll be able to show is that there was bad faith and there was a delay by baseball in restarting. But Martin Schyman knows better because the world was upside down back then. Do you remember? So when you're reading about the grievance, please don't worry yourself about it. There's not going to be a hearing. It's just gonna be leverage for the collective bargaining negotiations. It's not like collusion. It's not like there's gonna be a strike or a lockout because of the grievance, but please don't sit in front of your computer and expect that you will be watching a hearing anytime soon. One of the topics that we talked about was service time manipulation. That is a big topic that will happen during collective bargaining. Last night, Were you watching? I don't know if you were. The Seattle Mariners brought up their top prospect, the Mets player named Jared Kelnick. And then their top pitching prospect, Logan Gilbert. I think the Mariners lost the game. Kelnick didn't get a hit. Gilbert gave up a couple runs. Now the Mariners can say they weren't ready, just in case there's a grievance on that. So that is an issue that will certainly be discussed. Do you know what another issue is that comes up every time there is a collective bargaining negotiation? It's the issue of how to deal with player injuries. For whatever reason, during my career, every player who was hurt thought that we did not have that player's best interest in mind. And I would sit and talk to the players and I would say, can you explain to me why you think it's in my best interest for you not to be healthy? Why do you think that I don't want to get you the best treatment so you can get back on the field. And the only reason I would ever have an interest in a hurt player staying hurt would be insurance. The only reason would be if we took out a health insurance policy on a player and that policy doesn't pay until a player's been out for four months. And after four months, you start getting paid by the insurance company the amount of the player's salary and we say to the player you're not ready to come back we don't want you coming back why would we ever do that only if the player isn't able to come back only if the player isn't able to come back effectively the disagreement i had with players was about delusion most players will say i'm good i'm ready I can go because they know unless they're on a guaranteed contract that is for life, they're playing for their next contract. They don't want to play hurt because when you are negotiating your next contract or you are in arbitration, you can argue, hey, I didn't feel right. That's why I got shelled for five runs a game. Hey, my shoulder really hurt. That's why I went 0 for 40. Guess what? Executives, arbitrators, we don't care. We're consequentialists. You went 0 for 40. You have a 5 ERA. We're going to pay you the following. So players would say, I'm not quite ready. Or they would say, I'm definitely ready. Put me in because they think to themselves, I'm going to perform. I'm going to be great. And then I'm going to get paid. The disagreements that we can have are about treatment. They're about who's giving the treatment, where the treatment is. It's not a coincidence what you've read in the NFL recently. Remember we talked about Juwan James and how he got treated off-site and then tore his Achilles, and now he's out, and now the Broncos aren't going to pay him. It's going to be a whole big magilla. We didn't want our players going home to rehab. We wanted to control their rehab. We wanted our players to be under our care so we could look at them, we could watch them, and we could speak to their therapists. We could speak to their PT, their physical therapist. We could speak to their doctor. We could speak to their nurses. We could be in touch. Well, something major happened in hockey and one of you asked a very cool question.
1: You know what I want?
0: (laughs) I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson? Thank you very much for wanting to talk to me at David P. Sampson. That's D-A-V-I-D-P as in Philip, P-H-I-L-I-P, but that's not it. D-A-V-I-D-P, S-A-M-S-O-N. Get on Twitter, get in the DMs. They're still open for now. Ask a question. We'll maybe put it in the show, maybe put it in the end of month mailbag episode. Have you ever had a disagreement with a player regarding treatment? Can you discuss what is going on in Buffalo? Buffalo? Playoffs. Practice? We're talking about practice. The Buffalo Sabres are a National Hockey League team. They signed an eighty million dollar, eight eight-year deal with their franchise player. This is the face of their franchise. His name is Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel got hurt, and now there is a fight brewing between the Sabres and Eichel. And the fight, is that Eichel wants to have surgery on his neck, a surgery that has never been done before on any active player, ever. So the GM of the Sabres had to come out with a statement saying the reason why we are not allowing Jack Eichel to get this surgery is that A, it's never been done. Our doctors aren't comfortable with the fact that this is a surgery that's never been done. He wants to get it done with a doctor who's not a one of our doctors, But by the way, Jack, we want you to get better too. The injury, doesn't matter what the injury is. I think he herniated a disc in his neck or something. He played only a couple of games. Jack Eichel came out and said, all I care about is Jack Eichel. People were a little surprised by that. I don't know why. That's Players are concerned with their own careers, with themselves, with getting better. They don't want to be sick. They don't want to be hurt. There have been very few players who are okay being hurt and letting their career go. The disagreements that we've had are handled through collective bargaining. I wanna explain what that means, please. When you get hurt, you go to a doctor. We have doctors who we pay. They're called team doctors. Some players don't trust team doctors, they wanna get a second opinion. It is negotiated with the players in advance, a list of doctors that you can go to, to get a second opinion. It's an approved list. Picture it like your own health insurance, where you have to stay in network. If you stay in network, you're covered. If you go out of network, You're going to be out of pocket. A player will say, I want a second opinion. We'll say, fine. We will grant you that right. Go get your second opinion. That is your right. Here's the doctor to go to. Choose one of the 20 doctors. Player gets the second opinion. Player comes back. I'm not satisfied. I want a third opinion. I don't know if I should have Tommy John surgery. My shoulder impingement, maybe it can be helped with a platinum rich. PRP. I forgot what that stands for, COCA. PRP is the injection that we would do right before Tommy John. Platelet-rich plasma is what a PRP is. It's when you take blood out, you do something with it, then you put it back in. I think it's pretty much doping. I'm not exactly sure what Lance Armstrong did, but I think doping is when they take all your blood out, they do something to it that's really cool, and they put it back in. I had a PRP during training for a race once, and it didn't do squat. But of course, I'm not a real athlete but it didn't help that much. But we try anything because we don't want a player to have season-ending surgery or potentially career-ending surgery. But when a player wants a third opinion from an out-of-network doctor, we are a straight no every time, no exception. Because what we say to the player under your collective bargaining agreement, if you go to a doctor who is out-of-network and you get treated, you are in violation of your contract and we can terminate your contract. And in baseball, players don't want their contracts terminated because they're guaranteed. Buffalo has a situation that it better be fixed because that's their star. And I was thinking back to when stars get hurt on your team. It happens mostly with pitchers when you're talking about whether or not they should have surgery and then where and how rehab should go. When Tommy John's first started happening, there was doctor down in Alabama. Oh my God, Coca, Is today Friday. I'm having a complete brain cloud with Joe versus the volcano, Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, great movie. Dr. James, that just doesn't sound right. But it, I think it is right. Who's the famous Tommy John, Dr. Coca? I think it's doctor, he's out of Birmingham, Alabama and Pensacola, Florida. I can't believe it. I can't. James Andrews. Thank you, Coca. Oh, God. Not Dr. James. But then there was a doctor out of California named Elitraj. and he did, I think he did uh, a bunch of surgeries for us as well and does a bunch of other players. So eventually more and more doctors become approved to do Tommy John. But I can tell you right now, if any of our players wanted to go get Tommy John from an in-network doctor that wasn't one of the top, we would have said no. So you want to talk to Samson? Have we ever had a disagreement? You're damn right. It happens all the time. Players want to always be near their homes. They want to be who they're comfortable with. We don't care about that. Buffalo's going to take care of this. I promise you, Jack Eichel, I'm not going to do it as a wait to see. Jack Eichel is not going to have surgery from an out-of-network doctor. He's not going to get neck surgery that's never been done before because he'll be risking his $80 million contract. It's just not going to happen. So for all you Buffalo Sabres fans, just be calm. All right, we, we need to go to break now. Um, we're going to review a movie that my guess is none of you saw, and I'd like a few of you to see it when, when, when it's done. And then I have to revisit an issue that I think we discussed just yesterday, Coca. Didn't we talk about the fact that A-Rod is just a window shopper? Was I wrong that quickly? Is it possible that A-Rod is moving to the land of 10,000 lakes for real? Hmm. We'll be right back. Just go to
1: ramp.com slash easy, ramp.com slash easy, dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC, terms and conditions apply. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing.
0: Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name's David. Thank you so much for joining us, for downloading, following, subscribing, and making it through the gauntlet of whatever it is that CBS inserts into the show without telling us. Coke and I had such a fight yesterday after the show. Go back and listen to yesterday's show. We have a sponsor named LinkedIn, and I talk about how great LinkedIn is, right? Which it is. You can post a job for free. If you want to hire someone good, you would basically go to LinkedIn because that's where all the candidates are. That's how we do it, actually. And I read it exactly as it was given to me to read because I was grumpy yesterday. And there was a parenthetical that said, ad lib here about an experience you had with LinkedIn. So I read it, go back yesterday. It's pretty funny. During the read, I said, ad lib here, your experience with LinkedIn. And Coca didn't talk to me the rest of the day. We finally got together last night to talk about today's show. I said, Coke, are you upset with me? Did I do something wrong? I knew exactly what I'd done. You know, when a kid does something, And you don't ever say to a kid, don't ever ask a question that you know the answer to. It's silly. I said to Coco, what's wrong? But I knew exactly what was wrong. He was mad. I wonder whether he got over it. Given his sort of general silence today, I think there's a chance he hasn't. Because it's possible CBS called him and said, what kind of crap is Samson doing today? (laughs) Yeah, the numbers keep growing, CBS. You're going to be okay. Keep calm. We still watch movies, even on this road trip. Got a long trip today. It's ending. Driving to South Florida today. I will make it somehow, somewhere, some way for my son's high school graduation. But I'm still watching a movie a day. It helps keep the doctor away. Not exactly the doctor, but it helped keep something away. I watched a movie called Wander. Wander has a cast with Tommy Lee Jones, Aaron Eckhart, and Heather Graham. How could it not be a good movie? And then I, didn't, I had no idea what it was about. It turns out Wander is like Extreme Measures. Remember Extreme Measures with Hugh Grant and Gene Hackman when they were doing all these experiments on people trying to save lives? Wander's one of those weird, strange movies where Aaron Eckhart is a conspiracy theorist who thinks that every... I I can't believe I was just about to say that, Coca. A conspiracy theorist who thinks everyone's out to get him. That's sort of redundant, right? And the movie is confusing... The movie is interestingly shot in a very strange, the cinematography is a town that you really don't want to go to, even on a cool solo road trip, because it's one of those towns where you feel like, like the town in Get Out. That's what it made me think of. There's something wrong here and we don't know what. And throughout the movie, we start discovering in little breadcrumbs what's going on. And then the reveal comes and you say, oh my God, get out of there as quickly as you can. Tommy Lee Jones is a treasure. Heather Graham, if you don't like Roller Girl, then I just guess you don't like movies. Aaron Eckhart, Batman, Aaron Eckhart, I think he was in Thank You for Smoking. Aaron Eckhart's just a, he was in Aaron Brockovich. He was the boyfriend in Aaron Brockovich. It's a great cast. I'm going to say that if you have a little time and you want to watch a movie that will be disturbing but interesting and will make you long for the time when Tommy Jones was in The Fugitive or in Men in Black, then watch Wander. If not, you could pass. Extreme Measures, however, you shouldn't pass on. <clears throat> Extreme Measures was a much better movie. Okay, we got to move on to something that happened yesterday that that uh, I need to call out because it's not going to get enough attention and it should One of the greatest centers, the greatest center to me of all time. One of the greatest players, for whatever reason, he's never in the discussion. It's Jordan and James and Kobe. How people do not realize that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, forget one of the top 50 players. He still is the scoring champion. He has scored the most points of anyone in NBA history. He developed a shot called the sky hook. If you don't know what the sky hook is, you don't see it anymore. Why? Because everyone's shooting threes and dunking. The skyhook was the most incredible shot. You couldn't block it. You put your elbow out. You put your knee up. You curve your arm. You've all done it when you're playing horse. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar made it famous, and he could actually score with it. I would say if we're going to go back to old-time NBA – Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's hook shot and Robert Parrish's jump shot, the chief who played for the Celtics, who would shoot with his arms all the way extended. He was a seven footer and his shot would be with his arms fully extended. Like Alex English, those are unblockable shots. But Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is not just the most prolific scorer in NBA history. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is an incredibly well-known intellect, a jazz lover, an activist, a civil rights activist, before it was fashionable. His name was Lou Alcinder. He then converted and changed his name to Krimdul Jabbar. Krimdul Jabbar has spent his life trying to explain that peace is needed between the races, trying to educate people about racism social justice, having nothing to do with what went on with George Floyd. It was before George Floyd was born. I may be off on when George Floyd was born, but my point is a long time ago. And he was doing it during a time when you weren't being applauded for doing it. You weren't being congratulated. You were being stoned. Kronendul Jabbar has had a complicated relationship with the media and with the league, and with the Lakers, he's a man of great pride. He is a man who has felt slighted, both by teams he's played for and by the league, but not in a way that makes you feel as though he's a sourpuss. Because Kareem is not that. He could be a little surly. I've been lucky enough to meet Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at several charity events. The most recent of which was a when I saw him at a stand-up to cancer event, and. I was born in Milwaukee and he was playing for the Bucks then and then was traded to the Lakers in one of the, cra- if you think that us trading Miguel Cabrera was bad, the Bucks traded Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to the Lakers. i trying to remember who they got back, Coca, but I want to say it was some combination of a guy named Dan Myers, Brian Winters. There's no way I remember that trade. It can't be because that was when I was a very little kid, but it was a very big deal. But Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had its reputation of just sort of being unapproachable and surly. But when you meet him, he is incredibly engaging, incredibly thoughtful. He's a writer of many books. He is very, very um, able to articulate his views of our society and where we've gone wrong and what we can do to do better. And the NBA, for the first time, is recognizing, oh, thank you. It was Junior Bridgman, Dave Myers and Brian Winters. I was pretty close. I didn't mention Elmore Smith because they needed a center back. That was the trade. 1975, I was seven years old. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Walt Wesley go to the Lakers for Elmore Smith, Brian Winters, Junior Bridgman, and Dave Myers. Yeah, by the way, Junior Bridgman, who if you look up Junior Bridgman, Coca, little known fact here, Junior Bridgman played for the Bucks. He wore number two, as I recall. Good, good player. Really good player. He is now a hugely successful businessman. He's made a hundred times more money after basketball than he did during basketball. I believe he owns car dealerships either around Wisconsin or around the country. That's junior Bridgman. Brian Winters was a good jump shooter. I believe he wore number 32. Is that possible? Coca? No, you don't have to check this. I think he wore 32 for the bucks. Good shooter, but without Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, just not going to work out. So the NBA just today announced that they are creating a new award It's called the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Social Justice Champion Award. I am so happy that Kareem will now be remembered forever. I am so happy that going forward, he will be associated with social justice. I'm so happy that he will take his place. Forget Hall of Fame, which he's in. Forget top 50 players. Forget number one score. Forget all of that. But he will be remembered for what he did off the court which was way more important. The way it'll work is that everybody, every team will nominate one player. Then there'll be a committee. The committee will vote on who will win the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Social Justice Champion Award. And then that player will get a sum of money to be given to a cause of his choice. It will become, mark my words, it will become when the first person wins this award, more important to that player Than winning an MVP or a scoring title or a defensive player of the year. Players are going to want to win this social justice champion award, and they will always now associate it with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Congratulations, Kareem. I'm very thankful that the NBA created this award for you. You deserve it. What we all deserve is another win. That's not even a good segue, Coca. You can't compare gambling to social justice champion awards, can you? Yeah, we'll try. We're 63 and 43. The Giants beat the Padres. No, they didn't. Are you paying attention? Because I misspoke yesterday and it didn't take long for you degenerates out there to correct me. David, did you mean the Giants over the Pirates? What do we do? What's your pick of the day? So I had to correct it. It was the Giants winning with Anthony Descalfani. And boy, did they ever. They beat the Pirates. That was the game. But I know you knew. So we're 63-43, and back to 20-over, and it's a weekend. So we're going to do three picks again. I'm a little bit into the NBA right now, although we just won a baseball game yesterday. We're getting toward the play-in tournament. It's going to be fascinating. We've got the whole Russell Westbrook situation in Washington. Can he carry them into the playoffs? Well, he plays the Cavs tonight. The Wizards are going to cover. The Wizards are going to go in hot into the play-in games, but it's, they're still not going to make the playoffs. Wizards over the Cavs tonight. Tomorrow night, I'm definitely watching a game. The Bucs are playing the Heat. Did you see the Heat came last night? Udonis Haslam finally got into a game. It reminded me of when they bring in the Hanson brothers into Slapshot, where you just come in to fight. Udonis Haslam comes into a game, and two minutes later, he's got four points, two technical fouls. He and Dwight Howard get into a per Is it a per shuffle? A per scuffle? A for schliffle? A kerlifle, a carlifle, a kerfuffle. It's something. It's one of those words. Haslam got into it. Oh, thank you. A kerfluffle. I can't hear you. Is it fluffle? A kerfuffle. Ooh, I'd like a little tahini sauce right now. I'm going to find that on the road today. I'm going to find falafel, even though I can't taste it. I'm having a texture craving for tahini and falafel because Haslam had a (laughs) kerfluffle. Anyway, the Bucks play the heat on Saturday night. Uh, the Bucs are now getting playoff ready. And I can say the Heat are, the Heat are a pretty inconsistent team. And uh, that's an easy pick for me. The Heat are not anywhere near the Bucs, even though what you're all thinking is the Heat made it to the finals last year in the bubble. No, nope, Bucks over the Heat. And then we're going back to baseball Sunday. We're going we're gonna to ride Lance McCullers Jr. until we lose. Lance McCullers Jr. is not getting enough credit. He's pitching against Kyle Gibson. The Astros over the Rangers in an all-Texas Game on Sunday. Let's hope it doesn't get rained out. After I won the first two games last weekend, and the third game got rained out Sunday. Wizards over the Cavs Friday. Book it. Bucks covering versus the Heat Saturday. Book it. Astros beating the Rangers Sunday. Lance McCullers over Gibson. Book it. Okay, I got to revisit or wait to see. Was it yesterday, Coca, that I said that A Rod is not buying the Wolves? I think it was recently. Can't remember which show. Yesterday, the world went crazy. CBS Sports HQ. David, A-Rod's buying the Wolves. A-Rod is starting to run the Wolves. Let's go. Breaking news. Here's what actually happened. A-Rod and his partner, Mark Lore, a billionaire, came to agreement with Glenn Taylor to buy the Minnesota Timberwolves. So I said, wait to see. He will not buy the Timberwolves. I'm going to agree that I lost that weight to see. On the other hand, can I explain to you what's happening? A-Rod will not be at the next owner's meeting in the NBA. A-Rod will not be the GM of the Minnesota Timberwolves. He will be a first row cheerleader when it's convenient for him or he just takes his plane to Minnesota. Wait till he realizes you can't golf until July in Minnesota. I love you, Minnesota. You know that. They bought the Wolves, sort of. There is a path to control for A-Rod and Mark Lore. What they did is they became limited partners of the Timberwolves. That's all. That is a very popular way for people to sell teams these days. It's called the path to control. What that means is that you're the owner of the team. You want to keep owning the team, but you want to lock in a price And you want to give somebody the knowledge that over time, they will be able to replace me. But not today. I want one more year, maybe two more years at the helm. Give me a chance to win another ring or my first ring. But I want to know that I've got a billion and a half that's coming to me for the team. That's not net. That is with debt. That's called the enterprise value of the Timberwolves is 1.5 million, not the equity value. A-Rod does not have to write a $1.5 billion check. It doesn't work that way. Glenn Taylor is not depositing $1.5 billion into his checking account. It doesn't work that way. So what A-Rod did is he said, I will give you 15% down like a deposit. In return, I'll become a limited partner, but in return, I've got the right to give you the rest of the money whenever I want. And when I give you the rest of the money, then I'm the captain now. And Glenn Taylor said, I'm in. Good plan. I'm going to run it. You give me a little cash now. We have ourselves a deal and we'll see what happens going forward. So the fact that I have to take a loss on that way to see bothers me because there is so much that could still happen between A-Rod and the Wolves before A-Rod becomes the principal owner, the controlling owner. A-Rod's got to put in a lot more money than he's doing right now to ever be considered the owner of the T-Wolves. But of course, the media doesn't care about that because it's a great story. A-Rod buys the T-Wolves. Give me a break. All right, we're going to end the week on a subject that is – We've talked about many, many times, and we have to talk about it again, the Deshaun Watson situation. It is not getting any cleaner at all. There's a situation going on where all of these women are, are accusing him of inappropriate sexual behavior. We've gone through it. I thought it was frivolous in the beginning. I don't know what to say now, except there's 22 lawsuits. The NFL is investigating the lawyer for these women, who is a definite rich ambulance chaser, And is a little, you know, he's the example of why Shakespeare was right about lawyers. He is complaining about the NFL investigation into these into this situation. The NFL promised it was going to investigate. The NFL had to release a statement saying we are investigating. We're using someone who used to be the head of the sex crimes unit in New York, a woman to investigate and to interview these women. The lawyer for the women said, I'm not happy. I'm not comfortable. These women are not comfortable. This investigation is not going the way it should go. Then we've got Deshaun Watson, who decided this was a good opportunity to release another statement. And he's got the lawyer Rusty Harden, who's the lawyer who is the lawyer for Roger Clemens. He's the big time lawyer in Texas. When you hire him, you know you got yourself someone who is going to fight tooth and nail to make sure nothing happens to you. Well, Rusty Harden came out with a statement where he wanted to make it very clear that he will not settle these cases. I can't even believe that Rusty Harden said that. He said, quote, in a recent interview, Mr. Busby, who's the lawyer for the women, stated that a settlement is not happening. We certainly agree that there are currently no settlement negotiations being conducted. And while we have never approached Mr. Busby about a settlement, he has approached us on numerous occasions in the past about the possibility of a settlement. We have made it clear all along that there would be no settlement. And here comes the, the statement unless the terms are made public and all participants are allowed to speak in their own defense at all times. What that means is most settlements happen where you settle a case and there is a confidentiality clause. We can't tell you how much we paid to settle the case. We can't tell you whether we did what they said we did. We can't tell you we didn't do what we did or didn't do or what they said we could have done, but may have done, but didn't do, but may have done just twice out of the 20 times. Most settlements have these clauses, and then we're left to wonder what happened. What Deshaun Watson is saying is the only circumstance under which he will settle is if he gets to say what happened. And he's okay with the women saying what happened. And the reason why Deshaun Watson wants that is he believes as a quarterback, as a professional athlete, that everyone will believe him instead of these women so he can settle with them, pay them, not go to trial, not risk any sort of criminal issue, although there could still be a criminal issue, not risk major civil penalties. But then he still gets to say there was nothing inappropriate. I've never been disrespectful to women. My initial statement that I made is true. That makes me smile. The reason it makes me smile is that it is so rare, so rare to have happen, and this case is not that unicorn case. I'm going to give you a way to see right now, actually. The way to see is that the Watson case will eventually settle. This is not going to court, and the settlement will be done with an agreed-upon release statement but that's all that will be allowed to be said. Deshaun Watson is not going to go on some speaking tour. These women will not be able to go on Oprah or Uma or Ellen or anywhere. It will be a regular settlement with confidentiality, but with an agreed upon statement. The Deshaun Watson is not about to go to court and have 22 separate instances where he has to explain what went on. It's not going to happen, period. Rusty Harden may be a lot of things, Deshaun Watson, Anthony Busby, but there's one thing they know for certain. It's business. This is nothing personal.
2: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why?